discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same. We are constant. God is constant. God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. It says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today, and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boatim as Christ is magnified in you. Hallelujah. 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 Are you not glad to be in the house of God? Turn with me to the book of Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. On Thursday, we, we, we studied 2 Timothy chapter 3, 16 and 17. On Friday, we studied 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. Hallelujah. Now, today we want to look at Luke chapter 10. Let's see verse 42. But one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. I want all of us to read it. One go. Okay, how do you begin a sentence by saying but? You can't do that. So we have to just go, go backward. So please, please let's go backward and see what Jesus actually was saying. Let's go back. Okay. Let's go. 38. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much seven and came to him and said, Lord, dost thou not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Bid her therefore that she help me. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary has chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor one thing is needful. Now, in this verse, in 41 and 42, now, this is a beautiful story. Jesus spoke of one thing, then he spoke of many things. He contrasted one thing with many things. Jesus said, Martha had many things, but Mary had one thing. Now, Jesus said, Martha, for you, you are troubled about many things. But for Martha... One thing is needful and she has chosen that. So, there is a one thing and there is a many things. Which one do you like? Jesus is speaking about two things. One thing and many things. Which one do you like? You like the one thing. One of the many things. Martha had the many things, but Mary had one thing. Most of us like the many things. 
We are so worked out. We're going to brought so many things to happen. We are working our, our way through so many things. And we, we, we neglect that one thing. And according to Jesus, if you get that one thing, that one thing will bring the many things restfully. But if you pursue the many things, you pursue it stressfully. And not even get it. So I know you, you, there are so many things you are pursuing in life. But today I want to commend you to that one thing. That that one thing will become your priority against the many things. Most of the times we are careful about too many things in our lives. We want so many things to happen. But Jesus spoke of one thing. The author, the one, the creator of the universe. The head of the church. He says one thing. It's needful. If he says, he didn't say few things. If he said few things, would have fished out those things which were few. But amazingly, he said one thing. And it must be our priority. Now, what we, we, we know of the story. This is a very wonderful story. And there are lessons to, to reap out of the story. Jesus went to the house of Martha and Mary. Now, when we read the story, many people are troubled, especially those who have the ministry of helps and those, you know, who serve in the house of God. They go like, ah, why would Jesus rebuke someone who was serving? And me, I love to serve. So is Jesus saying I shouldn't serve? People have asked me this question. That's not what Jesus is saying. He's not saying that don't, don't he's not saying reject hard work. He's not saying don't be a workaholic. Concern the house of God, we have to work hard. What Jesus rebuked was not the, her service. What Jesus rebuked was that number one, she was distracted. Number two, she was troubled. Number three, she had care. Worry about many things. And that is what Jesus was addressing. What he was addressing is that, Mary, you, you are cumbered about. Too many distractions. And he said, you are troubled. And you are careful about many things. Those were the elements Jesus was addressing. What it means is that if you, if you, you are in service, in a, you, you are serving God in a very wonderful way, and you don't give time for the word. What befell Martha is what will befall you. That's what actually he's saying. The service is wonderful, but you see, the other staffs being troubled, being cumbered about, being distracted, full of worry and curse, that was the issue. And those things have come, had come in because she neglected the most important thing. Now look at, look at Martha's problem. Martha, in one sentence, blamed two people. In one sentence, she blamed two people. She said, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me alone? So in one sentence, Martha is blaming the Lord for not caring enough and blaming Martha for leaving her. The problem that confronts those who are in active service, but they leave the word. The problem that confronts people who leave the word is that 
they blame everybody for whatever is happening to them, except themselves. Hmm. Now, that's how life is. If you leave the word, you, be, you begin to blame everybody. You blame your roommate. You blame your lecturer. You blame your friends. You blame your neighbors. In fact, you even blame your parents. And you begin to blame God. Like, everything that has happened around you, someone might, must be the cause. The only person you will never blame is yourself. That is actually, actually what happens for people who leave the word. Because they, they lack understanding. I pray that will not be a portion in Jesus' name. Blame, blame everybody. Now, Martha now began to blame the Lord. Lord, don't you care? How many times have you thought to yourself that God is not caring enough? <laughs> many times we, we feel God doesn't care. It is because the word has not become real to us. And when we match our situations and the things we are going through, we feel that God, you don't care enough. Ah, where, where are you? Look at the way I've been serving in the house of God. Yet my mother is sick. And we've prayed and prayed and called upon you and you are doing nothing about it. I don't think he cares enough. This is the problem God is faced, challenged with every now and then from his own people whom he loved and died for. We are always blaming God. God, why are you? I've, I've served you faithfully. I went through campus for years, but you couldn't give me a beloved. There are people who are serving God because of a beloved, actually. Lord, why are you? Why me, Lord? Why? Why? Lord, I'm in, I'm in active service, yet look at my average. I don't think you care enough. Lord, don't you care? How dare you question the Lord like that? Don't you care? Lord, you don't care enough. Most of the times we feel he doesn't care enough. Especially when you are in kind of challenge. I once read a story of a certain man whose son died from a, a train wreckage like a train accident, and his son died. And a guy was running everywhere at the train station, an old man. Where was God when my son died? Screaming everywhere. Where was God when my son died? in tears. Where was God when my son died? Does he care? And this man met another old man and just looked into his eyes. You know how he answered him? Where was God when my son died? The man said, I suppose where he was when his son died. <laughs> he's in the same place <laughs> he's still on the throne but you see, you see if we don't get into the way we don't know how much he loves us so in many things we feel he doesn't love us but that's not it he has already loved us his love for us has already spanned the length of eternities the breadth, the length, the height, the depth and to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge he has loved us Lord, don't you care? Now, so those people, if you're not in the word, number one, you begin to blame people. Number two, you begin to think the Lord doesn't even care enough for what you're going through. And number three, you live in worry. You live in worry. Now, Jesus said in verse 41, 
Thou art careful. The word careful, merimnao, in the Greek, is the word for worry. You are worried about many things. You are worried about many things. If you see a believer who is always worried, worried about everything. Worried about the future. Worried about his job. Worried about how he will sleep. Worried about thieves attacking him in the night. Just worried. Worried about his dreams. He's just worried. Once you are in the place of worry, you worry about everything. Worry, you are just worried. Hallelujah. One day Jesus said, Now understand that worry, you know what worry means? Worry is to have faith in what the enemy can do, other than what God can do. Worry is having faith in what the enemy can do, other than what God will do. You are worried whether the sickness will lead you to your death. Because a prophet even prophesied that he saw your grave. You are just worried. The antidote to worry is God's word. I'm telling you. So Mary's problem was that she, this woman was too worried. And I went careful as Mary now. One day Jesus said, therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor for your body, what you shall put on. It's not the life more than meat, but the body more than raiment. Behold the fowls of the air. They sow not, neither do they reap, nor yet gather into bands. Yet I say unto you that your heavenly Father feedeth them. And which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit to his teacher? And consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you that Solomon, in all of his wisdom, all of his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. Now, Jesus is saying that, Take note, King James says, take no thought for your life. The word thought, taking thought for your life is actually worry. Don't be worried about your life. Don't be worried about what you eat. Don't be wor- worried about what you drink. And the same word, don't be worried, is the same word for Martha, you are careful. It's the same Greek word. Martha is worried. The word worry is from an old English word which means to strangle. To strangle. What it means that the more you are worried, the more <laughs> your life is strangled out of you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Now Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Why did Jesus mention her name twice? Now Jesus could have said Martha. Now there are certain portions of the Bible where God will mention people's name twice for a reason. We call it the law of double mention. Like when he called Abraham. He didn't say Abraham. He said Abraham, Abraham. Now when he called Moses at the burning bush, he said Moses, Moses. When Jacob was going to Egypt, he said, Jacob, Jacob. I don't know why God does that. When Samuel was young, God said, Samuel, Samuel. God could have said Samuel. And it would have been enough. But God chose to say, Samuel, Samuel. On the road to Damascus, you know what he said? Saul, Saul. At least it could have been one. <laughs> Saul, Saul. Hey, if God comes to your room and says, Otibuatin, Otibuatin. Hey! Now, I- I- imagine God come to Ruben and saying, Isaac, Isaac. Hey. <laughs> then it means that he's given a double import and, and a double emphasis on what he's saying. It means that what he's about to convey to you is paramount. 
It is premium. That what is about to say to you is, is, is of a weighty substance. It's so important. For instance, there are times Jesus will say, Verily, I say unto you. But other times he says, Verily, verily. If you like go through your Bible and check where he says where he used one verily and where he used two verilies. Every, when, when he used two verilies, it means that that truth eh, is inevitable, in, immutable, and irrevocable. <laughs> like he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except ha, that's it. Except a man be born. This one is verily, verily. He didn't say one verily. Now in the Greek it is amen, amen, I say unto you. Verily is a Greek word for amen. Amen. Amen, amen, I say unto you. That, that is serious. So the truth Jesus is conveying through Martha was so important that Jesus said, Martha, Martha. Mata, mata. And today, if I've left the word, Jesus is mentioning your name, Andrew, Andrew. I want you to put your name there and mention your name twice right now. One, go. <laughs> he, he just calling your attention from the many things to that one thing. Hallelujah. The difference between Mary and Martha is that Martha engaged her hands, but Mary engaged her heart. Thank you, Jesus. Martha showed how Jesus needed her. Martha showed how Jesus needed her. But Mary showed how she needed Jesus. Now, among the Orientals, in the Eastern culture of Jesus' time, if you have a guest, it's not easy to get, entertain a guest. If you have a visitor come to your home, the first thing you do is that you provide water for the washing of his feet. Now, when you get a visitor, you, you kiss the visitor. That's what they did. They greet one another with holy kiss. Now, I'm not talking about, I know what you are thinking now. Not, 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 not that one. Not the one you are thinking about. For what you are thinking, you do it from the honeymoon onwards. <laughs> Amen. Now, this one is, 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 a, is a kiss of the cheek. Kiss you, then provide water for your feet. You wash your feet, then they'll provide oil or ointment for your feet. Then you'll sit at a table and you'll be served with water and with food. That's how you receive guests. So in, in, in the ancient culture, among the Eastern, Eastern people, if you receive a guest and you don't do that, it was a sign of rude and disrespect. Can you imagine Jesus just come? Jesus has walked, uh, you could see his feet is dirty. You could see the man is sweating, the man is hungry. And let me illustrate this. Pastor T comes to visit you in your, in your home. And you saw Pastor T walk from Wedu to Ahonjo. <laughs> hey, comes to your house because there's an important message he has to convey. And came to your house, and you could see that the pastor is sweating. And the pastor came home and sat down. And when he sat down, he also took your Bible. Pastor, in 1 Corinthians 3. 
First, in First Corinthians three, verse seven. Last week, I mean, how, how, how do you see that? <laughs> now, if it was me, I'll be offended. What, 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 what do you mean? At least give me water to drink. At least refresh me. You, you can't just do that. But that is what Mary did exactly. So actually, in human terms, Martha is justified. Now, Jesus has come, and when he came, instead of serving him with water and getting him some series and <laughs> starbite, <laughs> not Don Simon. Jesus doesn't mind Don Simon anyway. <laughs> Jesus had good appetite for your information. Yeah. His observers will call him a glutton and a wine Bible. He doesn't joke with his meals. <laughs> I've authorized those who love food. I've authorized... <laughs> Just, just, just imagine this. The Martha, you didn't give him water. You didn't. His feet is dusty. Look at Jesus, all sweaty, and just sit at his feet. Lord, asking questions from the word. It was a sign of rude. Yet by what she did, Jesus justified her faith. Only Jesus can do that. And Martha was offended because Martha, by virtue of what she was saying. Martha showed that the Lord needed her. That is why she was rude in her speech to the Lord. She could even rebuke the Lord and say, don't you care? Don't you care? Can you imagine you are telling the Lord that he doesn't care? Because we feel that the Lord needs your services. Hallelujah. There is something Mary saw that Martha didn't see. Martha only saw a Jesus who is hungry and who is tired and all sweaty. What he saw in Jesus was his humanity. What Martha saw in Jesus was his fullness, his deity. He saw something beyond the human limitations and the human weakness. I'm telling you, If Jesus if Jesus, Jesus is hungry this is the same Jesus who could multiply five loaves of bread into five thousand this is the Jesus he wasn't so much bothered about food actually this is the same Jesus who is God and the Bible says that to him belonged the cattle of a thousand hills. And God said that if I were hungry, will I tell you? In Psalm 55. Now, these two sisters saw from different angles. One saw Jesus' humanity and fragility and feebleness that Jesus needed her. But Mary saw her fullness. Saw something to draw from him. Martha saw something to give to him. Mary saw something to draw from him. Martha saw his humanity. Mary saw his fullness. 
saw something beyond the veil of the flesh. So she could draw from him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Maybe I marry your generation. <laughs> yeah. Hallelujah. Now, religion will make you do for the Lord what the Lord will want to do for you. Religion will make you do for the Lord what the Lord will want to do for you. Religion is just in doing, doing, do, 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 do. You would want to do for the Lord what actually God wants to do for you. Example, Peter. Jesus went to the house and took a basin of water and began to, want to wash the feet of the disciples. Jesus was doing that. And he came to Peter. Peter told Jesus, Lord, thou shalt never wash my feet. In John 13, 8. Now, the English doesn't bring it out, but in John 13, 8, he said, Lord, thou shalt by no means, not in any way, wash my feet, even unto the eternities. That's a Greek. In English, it says one word. In Greek, it's three words. Hmm. So, not now, but even in the eternity, in eternity, you never wash my feet. That is religion. Jesus wants to wash your feet. Religion will want you to do for the Lord what the Lord wants to do for you. Jesus wants to wash his feet. He said, no, let me wash your feet rather. And Jesus said, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. You see, you have to allow the Lord to save you before you serve him. Every morning, open your, your Bible and allow the Lord to wash your feet before you go out. Until he serves you. Jesus washed your feet and that's what he's doing every day to us. He wants to wash our feet from dust. By the washing of water. By the word. With the washing of water by the word. He's doing that. And you have to allow him. He says, if I don't do that, you have no part with me. He didn't say you have no part in me. If he had said you have no part in me, that means you are, not, you are no longer a believer. You are not part of the body. But that's not, not, that's not the idea. You have no part with me. You can't have fellowship. You can't enjoy the fellowship of the Lord if you don't stay in the word. That's what he's saying. You can't have fellowship with Jesus if you don't stay in the word. You have no part with me. So fellowship comes from the word. And moreover, the Bible says, giving thanks unto the Father, which has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Colossians 1, verse 11. Giving thanks unto the Father, who has made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance. You know, being a partaker of the inheritance is the same word in the Greek, you have no part with me. What it means is that if you don't stay in the word, you cannot enter into your inheritance. You are always sick. You are always poor. You are always hungry. You are always complaining. You see, you have repudiated that part. But when allow the Lord to wash your feet, you begin to enjoy his fellowship and you have part with him. Hallelujah. There are so many things you want to do for the Lord, but for your information, there are so many things God wants, wants to do for you. In 1 Corinthians 17, verse 10, David wanted to build God a house. God says, no, I will build you a house. <laughs> David wanted to build God a house. God sent a prophet to tell David, furthermore, I'll tell thee that the Lord will build thee a house. Can you imagine? I want to build you a house. God says, no. Go and tell him that I will build him a house. What you want to do for the Lord, he is trying to do for you. Luke chapter 12, verse 36 to 37. Now, when the Lord comes, let me show you what will happen when the Lord comes. 
and ye yourselves like unto men that wait for their Lord, when he will return from the wedding, that when he cometh and knocketh, they may open unto him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you that he shall get himself and make them sit down to meet, and he will come forth and serve them. You know what this verse means? When Jesus comes on earth, when we come with Jesus on earth, now we'll, we'll get to get the message I preached at uh, Medina. You understand it fully. There'll be a wedding in heaven. There's a wedding and there's a wedding celebration that in those days spanned for seven days. There's a wedding celebration that spanned for seven days. After the wedding celebration, there's a marriage feast. We'll be in heaven for seven years for the wedding and the wedding celebration. Then we'll come down with Jesus to the earth for the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now, when Jesus is coming down, he comes as a king of kings. The Bible says so in Revelation 19. He is dressed. He's, he has many crowns. He has a vesture. He has a word. There's a name written on his stack, king of kings and lord, lord of lords. That's, that's how he comes to the earth. But when he comes, there's going to be a supper on earth for all of us. Hmm. And you know, he will put aside his kingly garment and take upon himself the girdle of a servant and set every one of us on that table. Everyone. So at the marriage supper of the Lamb, regardless of the food you want to eat, you want to eat on that day. I know you are Ghanaian, you go for banquet in tilapia. <laughs> I know you are Ghanaian, you go for banquet in okra stew. Okra soup. Whilst the Jews are drinking the fruits of the vine, you are looking for Eba. <laughs> and Jesus himself will save us. So, you say, abomination. On that day, you can't say, Jesus, you can't save me. No, he will save us. That is his nature. You see, the Lord must save you before you can ever save. When I say the Lord must save you, understand that Christianity begins with Satan. In Christianity, we sit before we walk, before we stand. That's how Christianity begins. Christianity doesn't begin with walking. You give your life to Christ and, of course, you enter into service. But there's a place before that place. It begins with Satan. When you read Ephesians chapter 2, in Ephesians 2, from verse 6, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ. In Ephesians 2, we sit. And when you get to Ephesians 4, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthily of the vocation wherewith you are called. In Ephesians 2, we are, we are seated. Ephesians 4, we are walking. Ephesians 6, we are standing. Stand therefore, have your loins get about with truth. So, we sit before we walk, before we stand. Christianity starts with sitting. You sit at the feet of Jesus to hear him. In the Bible, I'm not saying you, the Bible is outside and you go like, Lord, speak, speak, speak. No, he will speak in, through his, his word. Some years ago, a friend of mine brought a very big book that he wants to teach me how to meditate. You know, in those days, when you say meditation, meditation was something that was mystical. Uh-huh. People didn't know that meditation is just in a word. You read a word, you ponder over you speak the word, you compare scripture with scripture, you allow it to sink in your heart. So he brought me a huge book and he advised me that we should go and sit at the seashore and close our eyes. 
And this is a serious believer who was speaking in tongues. So, so it can be the, you can be deceived at any time. And he just like, we close our eyes. And I didn't go. He was telling me what we should go and do. <laughs> a very big book. And close our eyes and imagine certain things. And it will take you to the esoteric realm. The next time I met him, you know what he told me? He told me that Jesus was trained by the Buddhist. That's what he told me. He told me that he wants to show me the mystery behind the life of Jesus between 12 to 30. That's 18 years, which is not revealed. He knows what he did. And that the Buddhist came to take him to the East and taught him how to meditate. You sit at the feet of Jesus and you receive. Open up. Medita- There's no meditation outside the Bible. It's, it's the Bible. It's no way. Open it. And receive. And receive. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And as you learn to sit, you rest in his finished work. You are nourished. Then you cannot begin to walk with the Lord. Walk Worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. Walk and serve the Lord. Walk and do things for him. Hallelujah. Please allow God to serve him and receive from him. If you don't receive from him, you begin to blame each other very soon. You begin to question the Lord's care and his love. You begin to walk in worry and anxiety. But don't be like Martha. Though you are serving first. I said the other day that there's a difference between feeding and serving. A chef can be very hungry. He is just serving the food, but he himself is famishing. You can have a preacher. He is always preaching, but he himself is dying. He is reforming the church, but his own soul is never reformed. Hallelujah. Please don't let this leave you in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And Mary, the place of Mary, sitting at the feet of Jesus, listening to him. Every day, allow the Father to speak to you before you go out of your room in the Word. When you open the word, say, Jesus, please serve me the word. Dish the word out to me. Every morning, open the Bible, say, Jesus, dish the word out to me. I'm ready for you to serve me with the word. Now, as he did it, he sold, he's still doing it. Every morning, he's there to wash your feet. Every morning, he wants to have the path with you. Every morning, he wants to give you a remand. Every morning, he wants to give you something to live by in the day. Don't walk in the day empty and dried. No, a temptation will throw you down. You hear something that will throw you down. Please be nourished before you get out of your room. In the word, be nourished. Hallelujah. And Mary, now take with me to the book of uh, John chapter 12. John chapter, chapter 12. And let's say something. You see, love is not a self-generated effort. Love is a reaction. We love because he first loved us. The more you receive from the Lord, you are transformed yourself before you realize you are loving. When you spend time with the Lord, all your problems are solved. And it starts from the roots before you see it at the foot. Now, this Mary sat at the feet of Jesus, receiving from him. And she became a lover of Jesus. Now, the effect is that the word sacrifice is not in the dictionary of lovers. Now, have you been in love before? Initial love. I know sometimes when the love goes on for a while, that wildness in the, in the love, in, in, the, in the relationship fades. But at the initial level, when you are hyper 
and yeah, 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 like your emotions is on the height. And when you sleep and you cannot sleep, because that is the place I'm talking about. Uh-huh. At that realm, there's no sacrifice in your language. I'm telling you. You can do everything for her. Oh, oh you have not been in love before. My first relationship lasted for three months. The lady broke my heart. But some heartbrokenness is the will of God. Otherwise, how could my wife have come? The Bible said he took it away the first that he might establish the second. Can you imagine that when her birthday, she used to live, she used to live in Kumasi and I was in a western region. On her birthday, I took car to Ashanti region and I didn't have money to go back. I just wanted to see her. How I'll go back was God's business. You see, you may not understand because we've not fallen in love before. There is a realm of love that affects your mind. <laughs> now, how many of you have done such with such sacrifices? God is well pleased. How many of you? Hey. <laughs> When I was in the secondary school, I was an infancy him. And Wesley Girls was far away. One friend of ours had a girlfriend in Gehi. On Saturday, the time for presentation, he walked from Fansipim to Gehi. And to come back just to see her face for five minutes. And as he was walking, because he was in love, behind every mile was a smile. <laughs> Hallelujah! That's what love can do. When Jacob served Leah for seven, seven years, the Bible says they were, were to him as few days. <laughs> so when you, when you are in love, 14 years becomes few days. <laughs> so sometimes when pastor is saying, come to church, come to church, and you have to convince yourself to come to church, it's only one thing, you are not in love. Sometimes when we say, give, 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 and we have to use 20 scriptures. And we preach, and after all the scriptures, what to give is two cities. <laughs> it's, it's a simple, you're not in love. If you were in love, and it's not automatic, it comes from the word. 
And let me show you what Mary did. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany. Oh, Bethany, the word Bethany means house of the poor. So it's a place where poverty was abounding. But let me show you what happened there. Bethany is the house of the poor. Beth means house. And Ani, from the Greek, is actually nothing. Poverty. When Lazarus was, had been dead, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead, there they made him a supper. And Martha said, hey, see, Martha is still serving. It's her ministry. But thank God at this time she's not distracted. She always loved to serve. Please, if you love to serve, please serve. But put first things first. And when you put first things first, second things will not be suppressed. They'll be enhanced. C.S. Lewis. Hallelujah. And Martha said, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard. Very kobo shatalabata. Oh, it's very costly. <laughs> and, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Glory. Glory. And the house was filled with odor. Now, a spike nard. Now, in the Greek word is the word nados. <laughs> and the Bible said, very costly. Now, very costly. And Nardos, in the days of Jesus, there was a spike nard that was very cheap. But the one that is described here, Nardos, was made only in India in the days of Jesus. It wasn't made anywhere. It was in India. It was so expensive because the transportation cost was inclusive. You had to ship it or transport it from India. And the Bible mentioned that it was very costly. Now they were in the place of poverty, Bethany. And this thing, and let me show you how much it costed. Let's go down to Judas, what Judas said. Then said one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, which should betray him. Why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Because Bethany was a place where the poor people were. So he was making logical sense. And he said it was 300 pence. The word pence is where we get the word denarii or drachmas. Now, it is denarii, which is a pence, is one day's wage. What it means is that when you work for a day, you get one pence or a denarii. So 300 pence is 300 working days. So if you're a worker, you, you have to work for 300 days to be able to buy that oil. 300 days, almost a year, can you imagine the whole year, all your savings is just to buy oil. Last week, a certain brother came to me. He says that he wants him to anoint him. But uh, he wants him to anoint him with a certain oil. That is imported from Israel. And that oil is made of frankincense and may. And uh, it is 6,000 Ghana cities. And uh, he has heard that that was the oil they used to anoint the ministers of state and even the presidents. When that oil touches their forehead, they succeed in life. So he wants me to anoint him with that kind of oil. And because that kind of oil has some medicinal ingredients. When it touches your forehead, it opens your destiny. 
So his faith was not in the Holy Ghost, but in that oil. Then he said, man of God, but you see, I don't have money to buy that oil. Please, if you have it, I'll come so that you use it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? You don't have it, but... Please don't put your faith in a bottle. Put your faith in the Holy Ghost. (laughs) And you know, the Nados in those days was used to anoint kings. It was poured over kings during their coronation. That's why it is expensive. Kings and emperors, they they used that kind of oil. It was expensive. Let's go back. What Jesus did. Let's let's go forward. Uh Now, Mary broke it and poured it upon the feet of Jesus. Now, this oil is poured over the head of kings, the coronation of kings, not their feet. It shows us how he regarded Jesus. What Jesus meant to her. So much that, not the head, but she broke it on Jesus' feet. Then beyond that, she took her own head to wipe his feet. Wow. In 1 Corinthians eleven fifteen, the Bible says that, the woman's hair is for her glory. It's her glory. Her hair is her glory. So to take the hair and wipe it. Glory. Glory. Hallelujah. So how can you just sit at a, at a dinner and take this thing that is very costly and just break it on her feet, on his feet, and wash his feet, clean his feet with your hair, with your glory? So much that even the disciples, Jesus' own team members, were saying, this, this thing there is, is a waste. But they said, to what purpose is this waste? Anytime you are spending time in the word, people think you are wasting your life, actually. They will say, to what purpose is this waste? Ah, you are becoming too lazy. Bible, 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 why? Will Bible put food on your table? Yes. Now, Hallelujah. Mary just did that. It was her treasure on Jesus' feet. Glory. And this is love. You may be complaining, but to her, it's love. Because I said before that the word sacrifice is not in the language of lovers. Just pour it out. Remember, where your treasure is, there where your heart will be also. The spagnard is her treasure. She broke it on Jesus' feet. It's nothing to her when it is Jesus. Not even on her head, but her feet. Nothing to her. She just poured her glory on Jesus. That's her treasure. She poured her treasure on Jesus. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. So where is her heart? On Jesus. Because her treasure was poured on Jesus. And where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Hallelujah. How you use your money tells the whole story about what you prioritize and what you love and what you adore in life. Where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Actually, you can say it this way. Where your money is, that's where your heart is. Or where you spend your money the most, that's actually your heart. But beloved, Jesus, she loved Jesus so much that she just poured everything on Jesus. This is the effect of the word. You see, when you give yourself the word, you don't struggle to serve God. It's just an effect. 
You, you are struggling to serve God. You are making decisions and resolutions. It doesn't happen. Because you've cut yourself on the source. The more the word flows, you naturally respond to him. The more you spend time with him, it becomes a love affair. Hallelujah. Brethren, why are you withholding your money from him? It's because you're not spending time with him. So your treasure is somewhere else. You can't break your body for him. You can't pour your soul for him. It's such a big word. But if you are in love, the word sacrifice isn't too big for you. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So I'm telling you what the word will do for you. The word will make you a lover. And what people call sacrifice for you to be joy. Someone will, will, he will think and think his whole day, think and think to come and give 500 cities to Jesus. But for you, you think 500 cities is even an, is even an insult for what he has done for you. For you, you do it spontaneously. You do it freely. You cannot wait to do it. It's like when you're going to church, you're going to give offering. If you know him, hey, you cannot wait. And when you increase your offering, wow. wow. But for you, you, don't, you have not even planned what you give. So when you are in church, have you heard the story of the guy who was about to give? 50 Ghana cities was here. Five cities was here. So when he got to where he has to give the offering, then he remembered because he just put his hands in the pocket. But he didn't know what he had taken, whether the 50 or the 500. So when he took it, his heart smote him. Hey, what about if it's the 500? What about if it's the, the 50 and the 5? What about if it's the 50? His heart smote him. So he was dancing. Then he just spied and realized it was the 5 CDs. <laughs> so the guy, the dance increased. People thought he had seen like, just dancing. Not only because it was a 5 CD. <laughs> so not everyone who is dancing is dancing by revelation <laughs> you are dancing because the 50 is preserved because of some mutual joints at the Sunday service mutual you see there are some churches after service you see them walking to Asanka Locas and the food before them is seven times less than the offering they give. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, the, the word will make you a lover. And number two, when you sit at the feet of Jesus, you, you have the ministry of doing the right things at the right time. The word first will make you a lover. And when you sit at his feet, you have the ministry of doing the right things at the right time. The ministry of doing the right things at the right time. Effective ministry of doing the right things at the right time. Now, there are six Marys in the Bible. There are six Marys. There is Mary, the mother of Jesus, number one. Now, the name Mary in Hebrew is Miriam. Miriam is actually Mary. The same name. But that's old. But in the New Testament, there are six Marys. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus. There's Mary Magdalene, number two. Then there is Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. The Bible calls, says Mary, the mother of James the less. Mary, the mother of James, the one who was killed. Mary, the mother of James and Joseph. Okay. Then there is Mary of Bethany, the one we are talking about. 
this is called Mary of, he's from Bethany. Mary of Bethany. That means it doesn't matter how poor you are, you can still give the best to Jesus. Mary of Bethany. Then, there is, in Acts 12, there is Mary, the mother of John Mark. The mother of John Mark. You know John Mark, the one who fled naked when Jesus died on that day. Then, in Romans 16, verse 6, there's another Mary there. The Bible says she labored much in the Lord. So there are six Marys. One in Acts, one in Romans. But in the Gospels, there are four. You need to understand that when Jesus died, when Jesus died, all the Marys were at the tomb. Except one. Only one wasn't there. Mary of Bethany. All the rest of the Marys were there. <laughs> Jesus. They were just weeping for Jesus. <laughs> no, of course they loved Jesus. Mary Magdalene was there. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. They were in love with Jesus. They were just weeping because the Savior was dead. But one wasn't there. Mary of Bethany. Why? That morning, these Marys had taken spices, spike nut, to go and embalm Jesus' body that morning, that morning. And they were all there. Why were they there? They were all there in unbelief. Mary of Bethany didn't need to be there because she had sat at the feet of Jesus and she had received the revelation that Jesus actually is a resurrection and a life and that he's not going to remain in the grave forever. And Jesus had told him through the word that in three days time and three nights he's going to rise up from the dead. And when he sit on the word, faith comes alive and faith had come alive. She didn't need to go and weep and that was just a kind of sentimentalism that Jesus is dead. He, she, did, she had a faith. Faith had come alive. Therefore, whilst they were there mourning, she was in the room celebrating because she knew that after three days her Lord was coming again. She believed in the resurrection but the rest didn't see the resurrection, couldn't fathom the resurrection, couldn't perceive the resurrection. They were there just mourning and weeping. But Mary wasn't there. And they had taken spices, spagnard to go and anoint his body. But Jesus wasn't there. Remember, when Mary anointed the feet of Jesus and they were complaining, Jesus said, let her alone. Because against the day of my burial has she done this. Mary, by prophetic foresight, anointed the body of Jesus because in those days, when you die, your body is anointed with spagnard because it had medicinal properties. Antiseptic, antipyretic, anti-inflammatory. It has properties to at, at least keep the body. And it is done when the person dies and after three days. But this time around, Mary by prophetic foresight did it six days before his death. And the other Marys went three days after his death and it was too late. But Jesus said, Mary, against the day of my burial, has she done this? And wheresoever the gospel shall be preached, this also shall be, it shall be set in memorial of her. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When you live by the word, somewhere, somehow, you say the right words. Because the word gives you wisdom. Somewhere, somehow, you go to the right places at the right time. Somewhere, somehow, you make the right choices. Somewhere, somehow, you make the right decisions. Somewhere, somehow, that is it. When you are filled with the word, you are filled with the spirit. Somewhere, somehow, you have discerning, discernment. Somewhere, somehow, you know where to go and where not to go. 
And that is what happened when Mary sat at the feet of Jesus. They were there in unbelief, but she was just enjoying herself. While men are crying for their problems, you are just rejoicing. Because you know the problem will not lead to your death. The problem is a gateway to your elevation and exhortation. They were there at the wrong time, just with Spikenard, going to sacrifice what they had at the wrong time. But Mary knew when to give at the proper time and at the right time. When giving was very needful. The effective ministry of doing the right things at the right time. That's what happens. And when you sit by the word, the word gives you faith. Because faith comes by hearing. And she sat at the feet of Jesus hearing Jesus. And faith comes alive. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord. Sometimes in your life, when you encounter a problem, then you realize that you have no faith at all. When someone is sick and they bring two of us to pray for the sick, sometimes you want to have the results your friend has had. But it's not automatic. You have not developed the faith for it because you have not been hearing the word. Faith is not something you conjure to come. Faith comes naturally by hearing the word. There's a story of a was someone was dying, the person even died, and uh, was almost dying on the sick bed. And they called some pastors together with Wigglesworth to come and pray for the person. So when they got to the room, Wigglesworth said, Oh, Reverend, can you please pray? He said, Father, we know our brother is almost gone. We pray that you receive his soul in peace and give him a proper place when he comes to your abode. Was was praying, Wigglesworth said, ah, he screamed, stop. <laughs> and he said, the next person should pray. He stopped him. And the second person to pray, Lord, we know that all things work together for good. <laughs> the Lord give it and the Lord take it away. Amen. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Then he stopped him. He realized that these guys, these guys, so he drove them out of the room, actually. And he was there, and Jesus appeared physically. And Jesus smiled, just smiled. He saw Jesus smile, just went and raised him. That's all. At that time, some of you want to have faith at that time of crisis. At that time. <laughs> And all your hanky is full of sweat. You see, faith is not something we conjure. No, you can't conjure faith. <laughs> faith doesn't come by conjuring. <laughs> it is natural with you. Because you've been hearing the word. One day, Ora Roberts, healing evangelist. A woman went with a paralyzed son and said, Man of God, I want you to lay hands on my son and he'll be healed. When Robert saw the condition, he said, Woman, I don't have faith now. I don't have faith right now for this kind of case. If the greatest tele healing evangelist is telling you he doesn't have faith, then of probably your, your, your case is without remedy. <laughs> then he said, Man of God, I didn't ask for your faith. I asked for your prayer. I will take care of the faith. <laughs> A woman telling, can you imagine? Let, okay, maybe we don't know Robert. Let's say Pastor Christ or Oedipo. You took your son and Oedipo says, Woman, I don't have the faith. 
Woman, I don't have the faith right now for your for your son. Now, Bishop Boy, the boy is telling you. Hey, then probably. Now, if it is me, ah, just God, this one. Then you take the woman will tell Oye Depo, man of God, I respect you and I respect you a lot. But I didn't ask for your faith. I asked for a prayer. I will take care of the faith. The next morning, this boy was running all around. And Robert team members came to call him and said, That's the boy. He himself couldn't believe. Are you sure? Are you sure? Hallelujah. Mary believed, the rest couldn't believe because she sat at the feet of Jesus. That is the blessing that comes from, beloved, all our blessings are from the word. Your love, your sacrifice, doing the right things at the right time. Your faith, they come by sitting in the word at the feet of Jesus every day. Don't, when you open the Bible, don't look for knowledge. Look for the Lord. If you look for knowledge, you'll never get the faith. Look for the Lord, and as you seek the Lord, knowledge will follow Hallelujah. So this, these are the effects of the word. What the word will do to you. Previously I taught you how to study the word. But now I want to show you. The word will do everything for you. Hallelujah. Psalm 1 verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way of the sinners. Nor seated in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. That bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The Bible said he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Hallelujah. Now this verse tells us a blessing of meditating on the word. Meditating day and night. It teaches us. The Bible says that if you are a person who is sitting in the word. And make time for the word. This is your story. You shall be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water. And you bring forth your fruits in his season. Understand that there are seasons in Christian life. There are seasons. There's a time you sow. And there's a time you reap. There's a time for plucking the fruit. But there's a time for sowing. You must understand that whenever you sit by the word today, you may not get the fruit today. You sit in the word today, you may not get the fruit this week. So don't get discouraged when you sit in the word as if you are getting nothing. No. There are seasons. And when the harvest season is ripe, the blessing comes forever. For instance, you, you, are suffering, you have an, a problem with a kind of addiction or a kind of weakness in your life. And you open the Bible. And you, 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 you take scriptures that addresses all the addictions and the weaknesses in your life. Over and over. But nothing seems to be happening. Don't get discouraged. Remember, there's a time for sowing. There's a time for reaping. Keep on sowing the seed. Because the Bible says that you bring forth fruit in his season. So there's a season where the fruit will show up. Jesus said, he's a vine and we are the branches. Do you know how long it takes the branches of the vine to bring forth fruit? Two to three years. So if you give your life to Jesus or if you are believing God for something and for one week you've not seen the result, that doesn't mean the result will not come. 
Why are you more patient with doctors than with Jesus? Doctors will give you 30 tablets of antibiotics. And every day, you take it with the hope that after 30 days, your body will become better. And even that has side effect. But you, you cannot take communion for 30 days. You took it, you took it once and you, you want something magical to happen. That just that once and for all taken, it's not like that. Of course, some are instantaneous, others are progressive. So just sit in a word. If I, sometimes when you sit in a word, you feel like living. It, it's even boring. How many of you agree with that? Hey, so you are saying the word of God is boring. <laughs> of course, sometimes, especially Nahum, Habakkuk. You don't even know why God put those books there. God could have reduced this whole thing to Matthew, Mark, the stories, and you know. We don't understand God, but it's the life of God. So you're free to come in your season. Hallelujah. Yeah, that, that's how it is. It's like mem- memorizing scripture. You can't memorize scripture today. There are some people I don't know why. They, they don't understand. You can't memorize scripture today, and you are called to come and lead opening prayer, and you want to quote that scripture. You want to make the sowing time the harvest time. You know what will happen? Brethren, shall we pray? The Bible said, for the, yes, yes, for the priesthood, for the priesthood being changed, for the priesthood being changed, then you just paraphrase it, put your words there and just understand. We don't do that. <laughs> you can't even Go and study and straight to the pulpit to go and preach. You don't you don't do that. You can't go and study and straight to the pulpit. No, that's not what preaching is that. Or they give you a preaching topic, you go to the internet and just get some points. That's not the preaching. Preaching is built, <laughs> it's a seed. Your daily quiet times, your daily times with the word. Over time, the word will become life in you. When memorize a scripture today, it may take a long, a, a while, two weeks or a month or something. When it becomes life, now you can just speak it. It's now processed. It's not in its raw form. It's because the verse that blesses you is the verse that will bless the congregation. The scripture you are, you are quoting, it should have blessed you previously, and in yourself you are happy with it before it can bless someone. Other than that, you are wasting your time. It is in seasons. Hallelujah. And when your season comes, the Bible says you are like a tree planted by the rivers of water. We don't take any time, but it's so powerful. A tree by the rivers of water. Charlie? And now this give me, give me a picture of Eden. Because in Eden, there was a tree and there was a river having streams. This, this is Eden, actually. You have the Eden life. Or you have the heavenly life. Because in heaven, the Bible says that he showed me a pure river of the water of life. Proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. Revelation 22, verse 1. In the midst of it, and on the other side, was there a river. So in heaven, there's a river and there's a tree. Hallelujah. So the whole thing is a tree planted by the rivers of waters is like Eden. In Eden, there was a tree and there was a river flowing. It's called a tree of life, which was in the midst of the garden and the river flowing. Hallelujah. It will be like Eden. The way they will bring the riches and the blessings. Okay, quickly for five minutes, let me show you what was in Eden. Let me just quickly show you something that was in Eden. 
Genesis chapter 2. Let me show you what was in Eden. Verse 10. And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and it became four heads. The name of the first is Pison. Now, the river parted into four streams. The first one is Pison. Now, the word Pison means free-flowing. And this is that which compasses the whole land of Havila, where there is gold, and there is delium, and there is onyx stones. So where the first river flows, there are three things. There is gold. Then there is delium. No, delium is pale. Then there is onyx stone, which is precious stone. So where the river flows, there are three materials. There is gold, there is precious stone, and there is pale. Does this ring a bell? These are the three materials in heaven. In heaven, the street is gold. The walls, precious stone. The gate, pale. And these are, I don't have their all unique meanings. What it means is that when you stay in a word, you see, the river of life, this river will bring you the, the glory of heaven. You, you would take, Jesus prayed that his will will be on earth as it is in heaven. You're on earth, but you're experiencing the heavenly life. Whilst others are complaining about the economy, you are having a good time. You have, someone have a knock on his door, electricity bill, electricity bill, and you say, tell them I'm not there. Shame on you. Tell them I'm not there. When I was young, I was told like that. I was told to tell the people that our creditors that my mom is not there. I want to tell them that my mom says I should tell you she's not there. <laughs> my mom says, never, in fact, if you want to lie, never use a kid. But why will you lie? Why will you lie at all? <laughs> The heavenly life. Then the next one, the river, the tree and the river. Verse 13. The second one is Gihon. The same is it that compassed the whole land of Ethiopia. My. Gihon means fullness of waters. The waters are fullness of waters. And it's, this water will flow through Ethiopia. Everything in the Bible has a meaning. The word Ethiopia is Kush. And it, there is a principle for Ethiopia. Ethiopia stands for something that cannot be changed. In Jeremiah 13, 23, the Bible says, Can an Ethiopian change his skin? <laughs> you know, Ethiopians are very dark. I am dark, but come again. They are different, eh? Ethiopia. Can you imagine? You are seven years behind everybody. Ethiopia. The Bible says, Can an Ethiopia change his skin or a leopard his spots? Ah, then may he also do good that are accustomed to evil. Ethiopia is a prince, means something that cannot be changed. It will not work. That's a, that's a principle of Ethiopia. So, what it means is that this river, where it flows, when you, you soak yourself in the word, and you become like a tree by the rivers of waters. The streams of the river, when it comes to you, you begin to experience Gihon. That means that what has gone in your life for many years unchanged will begin to change because of the word. I'm telling you, sometimes you've been telling lies letter by letter, and you call that lies exaggeration. <laughs> Someone went to a man of God and said, Man of God, I've been exaggerating. The man of God said, No, call it by its proper name. You've been lying. 
You see, but as the word kobatasata, the water of the of the word, it will begin to change you. Change you. Do you realize that there are certain things in your life? Ah, yeah, the thing is not going there. You wonder why, 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 why me? Why me? I had a friend who used to pray at dawn. One day, I, w- I always went before him, but that time he went before me. So I met him praying in, in the field. And I heard what he was saying. I couldn't, I couldn't go further. I turned and started laughing. I laughed for about 30 minutes. You know what he was praying? He was standing in the corner and praying, My God! My God! Why has thou forsaken me? And he was wait a while and scream, My God! The guy was shedding tears. My God, why has that forsaken me? How can you pray this prayer to God? <laughs> so sometimes we think God has forsaken us. But he, he has not. There are things we've sought to change. Now, there's nothing magical about it. Stay in a word. I told you about temper, anger. Get scriptures that address your issue and stay in it. Meditate on it for the next one month. Put yourself, if your problem is temper, take scriptures that address temper. I told you that when I read that one verse, Ecclesiastes 7 11, he said, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger rested in the bosom of fools. Just reading that verse, temper left me. Because, no, no, how can I be a fool? So the word can deliver you. Hallelujah. The next word, river is, uh, stream is called Hidakel. Yeah. And it goes through Assyria. Hedekel means power. Rapid power. You see, when you get into the word, the word you, you get to the place of power. 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 If you pray, you need the word. If you, if, if you pray, you need the word. The word will usher you into the realm of faith and power. Yeah. And then, the power may be there, but... Now, do you know that sometimes come to Pastor T to pray for you because you are not well, and he lays hands on you. To receive the power of God. And you go and you are still the same. Do you know that it's not his fault? When hands are laid on you, you can carry the power in your body and still die in your disease. Yeah. When hands are laid on you, you can carry the power to deliver you. You receive the power, but you can still die in that sickness. That is why we must be taught how to respond to healing and health. Every time, for 12, how many times? Is it 12 times? Jesus said, your faith has made you whole. Jesus didn't say, my faith has made you whole. He said, your faith. The power of God is received, but you should learn how to respond to it. People, so it's not the man of God's fault. Like Kenny Higgin went to hospital to pray for a certain guy who was sick. He said, when he got to the hospital, Jesus came physically, entered the hospital room, and stood by his side. And he told the man, the Son of God is here to heal you. He laid hands on him, and Jesus laid hands on him on his hand and said, Be healed. Straight away, the sickness left. He saw in the spirit the sickness leaving. But after five minutes, the man just sat down and said, Hmm, hey, this sickness part, dear. The way I've suffered, and I don't think I'll be healed. I don't, I don't think so. And in the spirit, he saw the sickness come back. Hey, so. Jesus told him to do it again. So he said, the son of God is here to heal him. In the name of Jesus, be healed. He saw the sickness leave him. The guy sat down again after five minutes and said, hmm, 
Hey, hey, life. Hmm. Well, we've suffered power with this thing. <laughs> this sickness, hmm, I don't think so. Then I think him again. So it happened three times. And Jesus, something I, I, when I read it, I was shocked. Jesus told him that I've done everything to get him up. I can't. I've done everything. I, I will. He's not willing, so I will take him home. I'll take him home. So it is not that he didn't receive the power. It is that he didn't know. He, he couldn't respond to it. Where now, though for a season, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptation, but the trial of your faith. The Bible says that we have an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that faded not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. The power of God is manifested through faith unto deliverance, unto healing, unto health. Now, this is First Peter. Yeah, thank you. Now, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto the power of God manifests by faith. Unto, the word salvation is, a, is, a, is, a, is all encompassing. It, it, can use it, it, it can imply health. It can imply prosperity. So the power of God manifests through faith. The power may be upon you, but without faith, it's, it's never unleashed. Because the same Holy Ghost is in us. But many years ago, we're in a certain fellowship. And, you know, we're casting out devils. So people were possessed. possessed crying here and there. And a certain guy came. Physically, the guy was, had muscles. So he thought that the power of God was in muscles. So he came and just laid hands on him. You know what the guy said? Oh, you annoy you. I've forgotten three days ago. The lady you slept with, with in that hotel. And I just went. <laughs> the next guy came. He was, oh, you have also come. Oh, you've forgotten. The lies you told yesterday. And they were all true. And he went. But why will you allow the devil? So they were defeated because they didn't know the word. Then a certain brother came. So when he came, he said, oh, after you, I know you. You are a holy man of God. Hmm. And a certain brother came. He laid hands on him. His name is Andrew. When he laid hands on him, the demon said, oh, you, I know you, Andrew Leversault. <laughs> Andrew Leversault. Can you imagine? He can be doing that. But the power of God is in all of us, but not all of us can express it by faith because we don't sit by the word. Praise God. And lastly, the last stream is called Euphrates. Euphrates is the word for fruitfulness and fertility. Sweetness, fruitfulness, fertility. Hedekel is towards the east of Assyria. Assyria means happiness, you see. The word will make you happy. And the Euphrates will give you fruitfulness and fertility. Fruitfulness. The fruit of the spirit, you become, you become fruitful in every kind of part of your life. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Psalm 1 before I finish. And the Bible says, Psalm 1 verse 3, where we, we are. Yeah. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. So you receive all these blessings. His leaf also shall not wither. His leaf shall not wither. Beloved, when you sit on the word, your leaf will not wither. Now, leaf in the Bible is, stands for health. Health. Revelation 22 verse 2. Leaf is health. Revelation 22 verse 2. The leaf of the tree was for the healing of the nations. Health. Health. 
health. You see, we read the Bible superficially, so we, normally we, we, we don't get a blessing that comes from us. There is health in the Bible, just by reading. John Calvin said, something happens to my frame when I sit down with the word. They use the frame for the physical body. He says, something happens to it. Something happens to it. In Proverbs 4 verse 22, the Bible says, they are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. In, in, in the Hebrew, medicine, in the Hebrew, medicine to every part of their body. He's talking about the word, medicine to every part of their body. Can you imagine? I'm talking about medicine without side effect. We have doctors here. Most of the medicines have side effect. What part of you is being healed? There's an effect somewhere. Nothing made by man is perfect. All the medicines, eh? Oh, oh assistant doctor, you, you have knowledge, oh. <laughs> All of them. Can't imagine. But there's this medicine that has no side effect. Now, when, when you, now when you risk a verse like this, is it true or it's not true? You must be hungry enough to tap into it. Go before God. If this is true, I need it. Normally, we are not hungry enough. Hunger is a sign of life. The more the hunger, the more the life. Be hungry. But it is written. And medicine to every part of your body. To your liver, to your tissue, to your intestines, the word. For instance, the Bible says that in Hebrews 4 verse 12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the divine ascender of the what? Soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow. Listen, the Bible pierces to the dividing ascender. Soul and spirit is spiritual, but you can't spiritualize joints and marrow. That means the Bible has, the word of God has effect in your physical body. It pierces. The word means penetrates. It means that the word of God is a divine scanner. It scans your bones. The word of God is a divine x-ray. It gets into it. Paloba shatamata. The word of God is a divine antibiotic. The word of God is a divine inoculation. You know, the joint and the marrow, let me ask you a question. Which place in your body is blood produced? Your blood is produced from the joint and the marrow. Near red blood cells is from the joint and the marrow. So the very place where blood is produced, the word of God scans that place and penetrates and pierces. Why? The place for the production of blood is the place where God's word penetrates to make clean your blood. So that every virus in your blood can be cleansed by the word of God. Every germ, everything negative in your blood can be cleansed because it touches the source where blood is produced. That's the power of the word. It pierces and penetrates. <laughs> That's why the Bible, reading the Bible is different from reading someone, someone, someone's books. Some people love to read books, but not the Bible. Those books will not heal you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Virtue heals from the word. Virtue comes from the word. It's on the word that the power rests on you. I pray that in one month you begin to experience this, this, this kind of, this realm. But let me show you how Proverbs, now, now let's go to verse 20 and it will tell you how how to find a word. We, we, we have the word but we have not found it. Quickly. My son, attend to my word. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. Remember now he, he talks about the ear, the eye and the heart. Now, to be fully blessed by the word, the word must enter your ear gate, your eye gate, and your heart gate. 
These three entrances are very important if the word will become life to you. First, he says, verse 20, he says, Incline thine ear. So first, the word of God must go through your ear gate. That means that you, you must have a lot of messages. I know you've been listening to five minutes with Pastor T, but it's not enough. Get the rest of his messages. Not only five minutes, but 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, one hour. Get one hour with Pastor T. After your daily, your daily dosage of five minutes is very powerful. But it, 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 it should be more than that. The podcast is there. Now, the year gate, just be listening. That's what I do. Sometimes I realize that, Charlie, my faith for finances is just becoming too low. There, there are times we feel that, Charlie. Ah, why is that now if I'm giving? I have to think and think before I give. Ah, but one month ago, I don't think before I give. Why am I thinking too much? No. This nonsense must stop. Then I'll get tapes and authorities on that field and start listening. As I listen, ah, I start getting wild. Before I realize I've beaten the previous record. That's what is done. That's what is done. Don't just go and pray. You know, Ken Higgins said he never prayed for three days. He never sought, asked the Lord anything and never had an answer within three days. He always, always had answers. That, and the principle he used was what Copeland also used. A man who always had answered prayers. Because he doesn't just pray. Most of us just pray. That's our problem. No. Of course, there are some emergencies you have to pray. But with special requests, don't just pray. Go search and search and search. Prepare yourself. Scriptures. Give yourself three days and nourish yourself in that place. Before you realize that you have now the faith to ask. Let me give an example. The car. You know, after using the car for a few months, the Lord told him in a vision, in the coming year, you cannot use this car. Because the car is nice. But if God says so, then it must be so. So I was wondering, how can God say, whom can I even tell? You know, he didn't believe. Like, you, get, you got a nice car, and God says, oh, in the next six months, you can't use it. It will give you problems. So when the time was getting closer, I wanted to pray that God should give me a new one, but I didn't have the faith for it. I didn't pray. Now sometimes you don't have the faith. Sometimes you are praying and you wonder whether God will do it. If you are in that state, stop. Don't pray. No, there are times, yeah, I'm praying, but I'm wondering, I know power that Charlie, this one. I don't have faith for it. Don't pray. Wait. So I waited for three days. So I, I kept listening to messages on faith. Three days, I wasn't ready. Because when I want to pray, I'm saying Azikra. That Azikra means the faith is not there. <laughs> so I just continued. Three weeks. I'm still listening. And when I want to pray, I, I, I could feel some excitement. And I, I know as if it's done. My wife is here, she knows it. <laughs> then I entered into retreat. After about a month, I listened. Uh, I just, and the prayer was just simple. Five minutes, I had finished the prayers. Father, thank you. I just claimed it. Asked it, claimed it. It's done. That's all. I didn't ask again. That doesn't mean the devil don't play with your mind. No, no. After the devil, he doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't give up. After two days, someone whispered in my ears, <laughs> you pa. And you, you pa, who is going to give you the car this season? <laughs> forget. Ah, ah, forget. And, this, and I'm tempted to pray again. But I stopped because I, I don't want to break the principle of faith. So I just say, Father, thank you. Anytime I'm doubting, I go like, Father, thank you that you have done it. 
and I smile so the devil doesn't know I'm struggling inside. I smile for him. Thank you. <laughs> Meanwhile, in my heart, I say, hey. <laughs> but I smile so the devil, can be, the devil can be defeated. I smile. Thank you, the Father, it was done. Just after a month, we had returned from the October service. See the blessing it brought. When I left here that same day, I saw a car come and I said, yeah, ready. I'm not ready for counseling on all this because I was tired. And so it's not counseling. Actually, this is your car. <laughs> Hallelujah. There was no arrangement. There was no. This is just an example to tell you that anytime you have to just get yourself in the way before. Hallelujah. All right. So that's the ear gate. The next time I come, I should be hearing testimonies. Testimonies. Now you can use this principle. Some of you, 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 are, you are waiting for your wife to come. You are just looking around watching. The answer is not in watching. It's pray and watch. He said pray and watch. You watch and pray. It's not just one. It's two. You understand? The watching is important, but the praying is also very important. If you doubt me, ask Pastor Michael. He's telling his beautiful wife. sitting by. It's the same principle. Take scriptures that addresses promises God being a perfect matchmaker and he that find, and all the promises. Search all the scriptures that addresses that and take your time and soak it one by one. You can take one week, take one, meditate. Think, think about it. Uh, just soak, soak. Before you are ready to pray. That is why we don't get answers. Because you know, you know that there are certain things when you are praying, you wonder whether God will ask it. This one. You, you, you know, Sometimes it happens to me when I'm asking to me, I'm not sure. So, say, Father, thank you. And I just stop. Because the faith is not there. Even Oral Robert said, I don't have the faith now. So, take your time. Hallelujah. Then the next one says that. So, this is the year gate. Listen, beloved. Listen. Listen, oh, listen to the word. Listen. Listen. Sometimes my, my, I, have a, I have a speaker in my bedroom. So sometimes when I'm there, it's, 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 it's loud. When I'm bathing, I'm hearing. When I'm cleaning myself, I'm, I don't want to waste the time. When I'm pomading, I'm hearing. So by the time I get to the washroom, pomade, bath, dress, polish my shoe, I've redeemed 45 minutes with a powerful message. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> then he said, let them not depart from your eyes. That means that the word should not depart from your eyes. How do you do that? Hey. One day I read the Bible and the Bible says that the word of God which Isaiah the son of Amos saw. Hey. He saw the word of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 2 verse 1 he saw. Mm. Now seeing the word is Revelation. I counsel thee to buy of me fine gold tried in a fire that thou mayest be rich and to clothe thee with fine raiments that the shame of thy nakedness will not appear and to anoint thine eyes with eyes salve that thou mayest see. Revelation 3.18 we, we must see. Revelation. That means that the word is just before you. Everything you see you interpret it by the word. The word. And let me, the, the Jews actually understand this better than we do. Because, you know, the Jews, eh, they have something called frontlets. You can find it in, in Deuteronomy 6, 8. 
when the Jews are walking, they put something on their between their eyes. There is a leather band that ties their head, and in front of their eyes is a little box containing all the important commandments, scriptures here. So when you see an Orthodox Jew, he has it. The Orthodox Jews call it Tethlin. But it's, in, it's both in the, in the Old Testament, it's called frontlet. In the New Testament, it's called phylacteries. You can find that in Matthew 23, verse 5. Phylacteries. It's also called frontlet. You put it here, between your eyes. So as you are going, there's a leather band that covers your brain, and there is a box here containing the, <laughs> the commandments. Hey! Physically, that's how the Jews lived, to show everyone that what you see is the word. And it's there physically, you see the word. You think I've seen you, no, I've not seen you, it's the word I'm seeing. <laughs> Can you imagine? Physically. But it was symbolic. This letter band, it's, it's bound their brain outwardly to symbolize that their brain or their mind or their taking faculties is held or is bound by the word of God. Your thinking processes, your thought, your mind is now bound. The word of God is now binding it. Because your thought can be loose. Your thought can wander. I know you are in church. You are looking at me, but your thought is far, far away. Far, far away. You are here looking at the preacher, but you are thinking of the lady you are going to meet in the hotel. And the fantasies you're going to have. You're going to have a time of your life. And whilst you're looking at the preacher, your eyes is on him, but your heart. Maybe that is too much iniquity, but maybe you are looking at me, but let me not prophesy what you are thinking right now. <laughs> So, the Kathleen, now, look, go back to Deuteronomy 6, verse 8, the verse, uh, thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and thou shalt bind them. The word bind, actually, is the word for knit, knitting, K-N-I-T, knitting. Now, knitting is a weaving term. It is the interlocking of the loops of the fibers and the yarns together. It's a kind of uniting and the weaving the inter- interlocking of the fibers and the yarns together. What it means is that you bind it on your, on, your, on your brain, on your mind. You bind it. What it means is that you allow the word of God to you knit your thinking process with the word of God. You, you unite your thinking processes with God's word so much that your thought becomes God's thought. Praise God. Now, now you, you can do it. The more you give your, that's why the Bible says that wherefore get up the loins of your mind. That scripture is very wonderful. First chapter one thirteen. I don't want to go there, but it's so wonderful. You see the word. Praise God. There are some people when they see a nice lady, they say, "Wow, this lady will be good." This Coca Cola shape. Oh. But as you give into the word, next time you see her. Wow. Carefully and wonderfully made. It's, it's, it's like, and you know, wow. 
I'm telling you, your word can penetrate your thinking. Sometimes anything we see is negative. We are neg- negatively programmed. Everyone you see is a suspect. But suspicion is not one of the gifts of the Holy Ghost. <laughs> but the word can pervade so much that now, I'm, I'm telling you, it gives us success. All right, then the last one is to keep them in the midst of your heart. You know your heart. That means that the word should now invade your feeling. The heart speaks of your feeling, your emotions. The heart speaks of your, your will, your choice. Yeah, those are the segments of your heart. And even your mind is part of your heart. Now, now how can you keep the word, with the word in your heart? That means the word even controls your feeling. Now, you know, the conscience is part of the heart. Hebrews 10.22 Our hearts sprinkled away from an evil conscience. The Bible says that if your heart condemns you, God is greater than your heart. Yeah. To keep the word in the midst of your heart is that you don't allow condemnation. You don't allow guilt. Whenever you do wrong, the devil now comes to kill you. And sometimes when you even do right, he comes to kill you. How much more wrong? Never be condemned. In the book of Romans, the book of Romans starts with no condemnation and it ends with no separation. Hallelujah. Anytime you walk in condemnation, you walk back, backward. One ancient preacher said, the best way to dethrone sin from your heart is to dethrone sin from your conscience. One of the old preachers, because how do you dethrone sin from your conscience? Guilt and condemnation. If you can be free from guilt and condemnation, you can walk in holiness. Praise God. All right. So please, to find the word here, see and put it in your heart. Then you begin to see the health abilities that is in the word. Praise God. Now, let's see Proverbs 17, verse 22. Proverbs 17, 22. A merry heart doeth good like medicine, but a broken spirit dried the bones. Now the word of God, I'm talking about health, the leaf. The word of God gives you tremendous health. A merry heart. A me- see, a merry heart. In Western region, this pastor was at a wedding. And the pastor was preaching and there was an interpreter. And the pastor said, a merry heart. Do it good like medicine. And the lady was interpreting. He said, merry akuma. Merry akuma. He said, no. I said, merry heart. He said, merry akuma. I said, no. Merry, merry. I said, merry akuma. <laughs> So, a merry heart. I'm not talking about Mary's heart. But, hallelujah. The Hebrew says, in a Hebrew, a celebrating heart. <laughs> Do it go like medicine. Now, doctors have confirmed these things. Doctors have told us that when you smile, the smile affects your brain chemistry. And just, just smile and let me see. Uh-huh. This smile releases a certain chemical called endorphins, which has a psychological relaxing effect. So anytime you smile, you are releasing endorphins, which gives you rest. So why don't you smile? <laughs> Come on, can you smile? Yeah. If you see someone who's always in a word, he's always smiling. But those who are not in a word, they fake it. Pastor. Pastor. 
And when they are taking pictures and they try to smile. They are trying, but it's not happening. Because sometimes you can meet someone, a person will just smile, and you turn again, and I wonder how the person can just switch. The smile is not in the smiling. It is a product of the heart. It's the effect. It must be from the heart. Smile. And you know, the word of God eh, is what will give you joy in life. And I'm telling you because when things are not happening, you know, in this life, this life is... One day, I went to Ghana National College and I met a, a, a shoemaker. The shoemaker spoke some English. This is 10 years ago. I've never forgotten. Shoemaker. And apparently there was someone who was finished Ghana National College and had come back to first year. Again to start. So we're talking with this shoemaker and we said, oh, this guy, he, he's, it's as if we've seen him around before. He said, oh, he was here and he has come. These are some of the trials and the tribulations of modern life. <laughs> shoemaker. <laughs> so these are some of the trials and the tribulations of... So this is about 15 years ago. Up to now, I've not forgotten. I've not forgotten. If it came from a professor, I would have forgotten. But from a shoemaker, the trials and tribulations of modern life. So what it means is that there are trials and tribulations of, of life. <laughs> modern life. Which is enough to dampen your spirit every day. Every day. You can be crying every day. Someone will scratch your car. A total driver will just, just insult one, just insult you. Why? Yeah. Everywhere. <laughs> I think two months ago, I was just my, my runabout down there. A guy just came to. Hey, he turned his eyes as if he's never seen me. He, he doesn't even know what is happening. And I was dropping my daughter. And she, his, the man was serious. I caught his attention, and the cars were coming, so it's hard to stop. I just caught his attention. You know, man? Do you know that the devil can use that to destabilize your entire day? Or someone told you that, oh, sister, your head is like a mountain. <laughs> Do you know that statement? Can worry you for three years. Your head may be like a molehill, but because the lady said it's like a mount, every day you look at the mirror. It, it can't be much. How do you see my head? How do you see my head? It can worry you. <laughs> so don't look. The word of God gives you joy. The Bible said that wet were found and I did eat them. And they were in me the joy and the rejoicing of the heart. Jeremiah 15, verse 16. That wet were found and I did eat them. I didn't just read them, I ate them. That's why in this church we eat the word. We eat, we masticate, we assimilate, we digest, we ruminate. Oh, hallelujah. <laughs> he said, as I ate the word, they were in me, the joy and the rejoicing of the heart. 
For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bowed, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. The Bible says, it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Isaiah 55, from verse 11, from verse 10, the next verse says, For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. Now, in verse 11, it's talking about the word. When you receive the word, when you receive the word, in verse 11, let's see what happens in verse 12. For ye shall go out with joy, and be led forth with peace. So when you, before you go out of your room in the morning to work, sometimes you can go to work in heaviness. Sometimes you can go to work in discouragement. Especially when it is Monday. I'm telling you, I, I, I told you why, then I'll here, why when Friday is coming, we are happy. When Monday is coming, we are sad. This Babylonian system. Thank God it's Friday. I've never heard, thank God it's, it's Monday. Thank God it's Friday. <laughs> when Monday is coming, go like, hey, another week. You can go out to work depressed in despair. But when you saturate yourself in the word, and the word fills you, you see yourself as an overcomer, you see yourself in dominion, then you step out with joy, and you are led forth with peace. With peace means that now you are led in the will of God. You know what God is saying. You, you, you are in the wavelength of peace. Peace is your default mode. You know you are in the will of God. But when you are restless, you know that's not of God. You know the choices to make. When you have the red light, you know, oh, God is saying stop. When you have the yellow light, God is saying go with carefulness. But when you have the green light, God has given you the headway. You, you know the movement. You know you have the joy of the Lord. Apostle Paul said, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, for me, it is not grievous, but to you, it is safe. Philippians 3.1. Now, Paul is saying that, you see, I've told you that rejoice, but now I'm writing again to you that rejoice. There are some people, if you preach the same thing to them over and over, over, and over again, they are offended. They are grieved. Meanwhile, that is the, that's what they need. You understand? Don't provoke pastor to be saying new thing every Sunday. But in a nutshell, you cannot say you ate your love this Sunday, so next week I know eat your love rice. I know some people they can eat your love rice, but I know a certain guy. Oh, there's a time in our lives we used to eat guy cocoa in the morning. Soakings in the afternoon and ever in the evening for for three weeks, and every morning we look forward for the Gary. You know Gary Coco. Oh, you are not there yet. Gary Coco is when you pour hot water into Gary and you stay, and the whole thing is like starch. Gary Coco is like cocoa that is Gary, and it is hot and you put sugar and milk inside, and you are on your way. And sometimes, when we change it, we have rice water in the morning, rice in the afternoon, or motor in the evening. (laughs) 
Even that one we enjoy. You cannot say, I ate one food, so let me wait for the next month. But when it comes to spiritual food, we want everything to be different. He's saying that it is safe for you to hear it again. So for you to see, rejoice in the Lord. Hallelujah. So joy is very powerful. Now, what I'm trying to say is that the word of God gives you joy. Joy is different from happiness. Happiness is from an old English word, hap. Where we get the word happenings. So when I give you a khaki, you are happy. When you have new friends, you are happy. Because happiness is from happenings. It's a satisfaction of the senses. It's outward. But joy is independent of anything without. Joy is inside. Joy <laughs> is the unshakable stability of the inner man. Joy is the well sense of, of well-being. Happiness cannot withstand challenges outside. But with joy, there's troubles without. But inside. Now let's go back to Proverbs 17, 22. He says that a merry heart is medicine. And the word of God will give you this celebrating heart. The Hebrew says a celebrating heart is medicine. Hallelujah. But a broken spirit dried the bones. You know a broken spirit? Discouragement. Despair. Disorientation. Depression. Everything is D. They dry the bones. You see, a lot of sicknesses are caused by the drying of the bones, like arthritis. Arthritis is when the bones lack moisture. So depression can even lead to that. Many sicknesses are caused by the drying of the bones. Why is it that if you look at your father's picture, when your father was in his 40s, he was a giant, or 30s, but when your father got to the 70s, your father became small. Why? Because of the shrinking of the bones. The drying of moisture is, is out. So the bones shrinks. According to science, the more we grow, the more our bodies decay. The more our bones are dried from moisture. But according to the Bible, as thy days are, so shall thy strength be. Which one will you choose? Hallelujah. Please don't live in depression. Please don't live... In discouragement. Let me show this, the secret of Moses before I close. The secret of Moses. Deuteronomy chapter 34 verse 7. And Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eye was not in and his natural force abated. Do you have YLT? The word natural force in the Hebrew is not natural force. Literally, his bones were not dried. In the Hebrew, his bones were not dried. That means that when Moses was 120, he wasn't like this. When Moses was 120, he was a giant. His bones had not shrunk. Strong. Why? Because the Bible says that by faith Moses, when he was come to years, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproaches of Christ greater riches than, than the treasures of Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of a reward. In verse 27 of Hebrews 11, the Bible says, By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured 
as seeing him who is invisible. The word endured here is used only once in the whole Bible. In the Greek. It's not the ordinary word for endurance. The word here in the Greek is used once. And the word says to become physically strong. To become physically strong. So the Bible says he became physically strong as seeing Christ. That's what it means. He became physically strong as seeing him who is invisible. So Moses foresaw Jesus. Now Moses saw Jesus in the burnt offerings, in the peace offerings. When he lifted up the pole, he saw Jesus. And the more as he saw Jesus, his, the effect came over his body. And his bones never shrunk. His bones never lost moisture. As his days were, so was he. At 120, he was climbing mountains. Even where he died, he had to climb a mountain at 120 to go and die. So I came to die. He lay down and he died. That's how he died. Beloved, so many things. The word of God will give you health. Paul told Timothy, and from a child that has known the Holy Scriptures, which is able to make thee wise unto salvation. Second Timothy 3 verse 15. And from a child. And that word child is actually brephos. That means from fetus. <laughs> that word is for when a child, before a child comes out, and the day the child comes out, that's a Greek, Greek word used here. From fetus, and from when we were just born, you knew the scriptures. The baby in your womb can know the scriptures by the mother quoting scriptures every day. Because the baby in the womb has spirit. And the more you speak the word, the spirit captures it. Then how will we interpret breathos? Can you imagine? So my daughter, my wife was just quoting a word to her before that came out. Glory. And the most important thing is that it's able to make you wise unto salvation. Salvation here means health. The word of God is able to make you wise for your health, for your deliverance, for prosperity, and for everything. Hallelujah. How many of you will go and eat the word? God told Ezekiel, son of man, eat that which thou findest. And he saw a rule. Eat this rule and go and speak to the house of Israel. And I ate it. And it was in my mouth as honey. Beloved, go and eat the Bible. A certain man of God in the U.S. is a prophet. And he ministered. He's a prophet. You know, many people want to follow prophet for the word of God. When a prophet comes, prophet, what is God saying? It's everywhere. In America, the prophet finished ministry. And a woman was born in a prophet. So the prophet was angry. The prophet said, this is what God is saying. He took the Bible and said, this is what God is saying. Eat the Bible. This is what, eat the Bible. This is what God is saying. After a year, the prophet went to the same church to preach. And the woman said, I've read the whole Bible. And the woman could quote large portions of the Bible. So, oh, you, said, you told him that God says, the word, the word of God is a word for me. But the prophet said it out of anger. To just let God hair off. But it worked. So I prophesy to you, go in the Bible. <laughs> yeah, by this time, I'm telling you, when you cough, it's scriptures. When you sneeze, it's scriptures. Hey, when you shout, it's scriptures. The word of God is just moving through your intestines. And everything is the word. Your blood becomes Bible-line. And the very essence of the word flows through you. Lift up your voice and crave. God bless you for listening. Keep listening to the word as Christ is made the center of your world. 
For prayer counseling, call 024-563-8314 or send an email to info at ChristWorldINC.com. God bless you.